Hello and welcome to the Poppin' Things Podcast, a pop culture podcast hosted and produced by Colorado State University students. We're your hosts, Chapman Croskill, Alec Erickson, and Nicole Conklin. So the first thing I want to talk about is like the most exciting thing that's happened this week. It's not a premiere of anything. It's not anything super new, but it's the new Rogue One trailer, and I have been freaking <laughs> out. I am so excited about this movie. I am unbelievably hyped i have watched this trailer about seven different times yeah i am i am so excited about rogue one i i love that that darth vader's back i love that apparently jen's father is the guy who made the death star i love everything i am it looks so pretty I have really high expectations for this movie, which is probably pretty dangerous, but I think Disney's done an okay job with this whole franchise, and, you know, after they bought Star Wars, that movie they just released, The Force Awakens, pleasantly surprised me. So I, mean, I really, really enjoyed Force Awakens. Uh, yeah. Eric and I went and s- sat in line for, like, five hours. Uh, we actually didn't. We sat in the theater for five hours to see oh the gosh. first showing in Fort Collins of the new Star Wars movie. My dad drove five hours to come see the movie because of how much my family loves Star Wars. We are very excited about it. Did you guys dress up when you went to the movie theater? No, we did not. Um, <laughs> we did buy 3D glasses that were like themed. I got Kylo Ren ones. It was really, really cool. How awesome. It was very exciting. So, yeah, so I'm very excited about Rogue One. I, I love the new look of the trailer and mm-hmm. it looks like such a pretty movie with such an amazing production value. The only thing is I'm personally very excited for it, but I'm starting to see very like small camps pop up here and there where they're complaining that this latest trailer might have shown maybe a bit too much of the story. I mean, all we know is that they're going to try and go deal with like, I guess it would have been an interesting surprise, but that's like the, I'm guessing the first scene is that you find out that Jin's father has been like captured or whatever. It's like, it does suck that they kind of changed that, but it was a good way of teasing it, I think. And I think there's still going to be a lot. Like, we still have no idea, like, what the interactions with Vader are going to be. He looks, like, angry. He's, like, walking quickly at people. I love that he was just, like, right there for, like, one second. It looks so good. I think the past Rogue One trailers weren't enough. Yeah. Because you watch them and you're like, okay, what's the premise? And you have a very, very general idea of the film. But I think this new trailer was totally eye-opening. And I think it needed that, personally. Totally wrapped me around its finger. the guy who plays the new, like, Imperial villain villain or not uh, yeah imperial villain he looks so good um he was in um uh, dark knight rises who played the guy who's trying to take over wayne enterprises and i just i love him because i love that look he had when he like met her dad like he just like looks off to the side like he doesn't even care what's going on he just he looks so snarky and i love it so much i think i'm mostly interested in forrest whitaker's character because he seems the yeah. most like mysterious kind of out of the bunch does i don't know um didn't somebody said that he's like force sensitive but not a jedi or something like that i've heard rumors about that but it looks like he also now has bionic legs according yeah. In the new trailer too. And there's also um I can't remember the actor's name, but he's the blind one uh, who is force sensitive. Like I don't know. I'm confused. I'm excited. I'm looking. Yeah, like his leg. Um, Forrest Whitaker's character. His legs are like robotic, and we don't even know who he is or what he's doing. Mm. I'm so excited. Um, moving on. Um, so Samsung did cancel the production of the Galaxy Note Seven. This is kind of a complete tangent, no segue. But uh, Samsung Galaxy S Seven phones have been ex- are the uh, the Note Seven phones have been exploding. Um, and so they've completely canceled the production of them, um, which is kind of terrifying. I saw a comic where somebody was coming through like TSA and they I was like, it's just my phone. It's like, get on the ground. See, this is like a huge, huge, huge deal because Samsung is one of the top kings when it comes to phone manufacture. I think they have the top market right. share outside of like Apple with I, iPhones. Yeah, they, they do. And so it's big that they even like announced that 
the problem was there initially. And so then they had to go back to manufacturing. So that was going to cost them money. And then they had to remanufacture all the Galaxy uh, Note 7s and then reship them out and resell them. And then even the replacements started blowing up. And so now they had to stop production altogether. And I think current estimates right now are somewhere between 2 and $4.5 billion lost, oh like just down the toilet. That's a lot for of this money. One product that just randomly decides to blow up in your pocket. I saw an article uh, that was le- uh, pushed. Push, ah, I saw an article on Reddit that was talking about apparently like there have been a lot of like internal issues at Samsung and like that's kind of what led to all of this is like people just refused to work together and get this battery issue fixed and they decided to push the product anyway and it's just terrifying. Like people have been like severely injured because of this. Can't really? believe it. Yeah. I haven't heard, haven't heard anything about this. About this. Yeah. And- the- they're just literally combusting in your pocket. Yeah, well, especially when charging. Um, wow. The batteries have been exploding. There was a one guy, he was on a Southwest flight. He had one of the replacement ones, and then his phone caught fire, and there was smoke all throughout the airplane, so they had to like, ground the flight. Yeah. And I have it's a, been a, I have, a Gal- I have a Galaxy S7, yeah. but not a Note, and I'm, I'm terrified that hopefully it never blows up on me. Yeah, so you have a Samsung. I have a Samsung. Are you going to stick with the Samsung family after this? I don't know. I usually replace my phone every two years, so I had an S3 and then an S5 and now an S7, and I just I have to wonder um, because, like, what is the S9 going to be like? Is it going to be okay? So we'll see in two years, but hopefully this phone is going to last me a little while. Um, if this phone pukes, I don't know if I'll get another Samsung. Uh, I might get a Moto or something better. Um, yeah. the, the Google Pixel looks really boring. It does look um, boring. It looks like they, they have some cool things, but also it's really nothing. Like for a, Compared to all the, all the other flagships, Like it's not anything special. And I've never been much of a fan of the samsung get notes in general because no, they like, they're phablets that's yeah, what they who are. needs a phablet in yeah. their pocket anyway like that phone <laughs> is the size of like but then again people bought the um the six uh six plus or whatever the iphone mm-hmm. people like their big phones for some reason i like how we're in this weird like technological era where for years everything was getting smaller and now everything's getting bigger mm-hmm. and everyone loves it and I don't want why are we doing the inverse do you guys remember that little flip phone the juke and it was probably like the size of your thumb yes and you just yes it open. yeah i just think it's so funny to look back on that because i think uh, one of my good friends used to have that phone and now my parents have the six plus both of them and i think for them they like it because it's so easy to see but it doesn't fit in your pocket and it's i my biggest complaint with people using phablets and even tablets for like anything other than like at, at like as a big tablet is my the worst thing is when you go to concerts and you see people taking photos on oh, yeah. their iPad. I hate that so much. And then there's that whole concept is just like be present. Yeah. You know, just enjoy your like I can I can handle people taking a couple photos on their phone, but like when it's an iPad, that is annoying. Yeah. Like you're holding up a big like ten inch device to take photos. Like my dad takes photos on his iPad so much and I love him <laughs> to death, but it's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. Like my DSLR at least like is a camera and is fine, but he's just got this big like tablet and he's taking fo- also i need to talk about this i need to talk about my dad for a second <laughs> because i logged on to his ipad when he was here for the weekend and i noticed that his background image was like a screenshot and i was like dad why why is this a screenshot he's like because i saved it to my ipad and i'm like do, do, do you do you not know how to save images hmm. turns out that my dad has had an ipad for i think almost a year now actually over a year now and he has been saving all of his images to his like folders by screenshotting them instead of like long wow. holding and hitting save image like we went through he had hundreds of pictures of things all screenshotted oh my gosh <laughs> see my parents they're also kind of, they have ipads too and so they're more along the lines of 
if they move the app, they don't by accident, by like accidentally holding it and moving it, they don't know how to get it back. Because <laughs> it's like they accidentally move it and they're like, I don't know what to do from here. Like, how did I do this? And I have to like come and like move their apps back the way they want. Like, I'm in that kind of boat where like, yeah. I always get upset when my like mom can't figure things out on a computer. Like she came in and, like couldn't figure out how to access her hard drive just because it didn't pop up with autoplay. But then I remember like she taught me how to use the toilet, and I just kind of like get over this <laughs> fact. Like it's okay, she can be okay. It's a two way street. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Like she can struggle with this stuff. Um. So what you have a note here? What is rich kids' version of Facebook, Alex? So, this for all you people that um want to feel sad about how this current generation is. Um, there is now a new social media site called richkids.life. And what this is, is the rich kids version of Facebook. Not poor people can't use it because you have to pay a thousand dollars a month, thousand dollars a month to just log on to the website and post. So twice my rent, twice your rent just to use a social media site. Think about it like this way. It's the only people who are going to use this website are going to be these kids that just have huge amounts of money. Mm -hmm. They're totally just going to forget that they even had a membership. And in like six months, they're like, oh, like, why am I being charged $1,000? I wonder if the founder is going to become super rich off of this. I wonder if they get in trouble for it. Oh, I'm sure it'll take off in like They're not doing anything wrong. Like, they're just, like, they're going to, the people, anyone who uses it probably has to sign like a digital contract. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that's going to be binding. And like, if they try and sue, it'd be like, well, you signed this contract. Like, go ahead. How popular is this app? Uh, So far, it's only like the first couple weeks out. So they don't have like initial numbers out yet but i can imagine it's not going to get as popular as anything else because the whole entire point social media is it's free and don't like rich don't rich people people. already have their own like stuff like don't rich people already have like social things that they can be a part (laughs) of and like and it's like weird because if you ever like literally just type in rich kids you'll get into google at least like five different things will come up. It's like rich kids of Facebook, rich kids of Snapchat. Okay, rich but kids rich of kids of Snapchat is one of my favorite things because it's like <laughs> pictures like, huh, I don't know which car to take today. And they've got like all these beautiful okay. like luxury vehicles. <laughs> and I'm just like, I hope the Jeep's going to run today. Like, Yeah, no kidding. It's like, hope I have gas in my car. And like, it'll be like people with their Rolexes and their like Bentleys. I'm just like, stop, please. Oh See, God. this rich kids thing is literally just the world's biggest first world problem. It is. I, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever actually interacted with somebody who was like super wealthy. Like, like me and like other people, a couple other people in my life were like, you know, a good, happy upper middle class. But I don't think I've ever interacted with like the one percent before i'm not sure i ever want to i I have and very recently as of college and i have a a friend who's just a wonderful human his family's wonderful and they like flew us on their plane to vacation their their private jet okay like my family owns a plane but it's a very small two-seater uh propeller plane oh this was like a 10-seater matte black jet it was it was and then they flew us out to their boat and you know it was very hard to adjust and you felt you almost felt out of place because you didn't know. You're like, should I act a certain way? Like, are there different mannerisms? And it's a very different lifestyle. So it's so weird. Yeah. I mean, the only like interaction with like the one percent I've probably ever had in my life is one of my friends from like elementary school. Mm-hmm. He he and his family lived in a two point like five million dollar mansion next door to Todd Helton from oh the Colorado gosh. Rockies. Wow. And so like every time I went over to his house, I'm just like. 
this is your life. Can like, we go see Todd? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, my favorite Rockies player is right there. Can we go uh, say what's up? <laughs> Can we go visit? That's so it's great. crazy. Um, Nicole, what was this about? Gaga's released her new album? So, yes. Um, after the long-anticipated wait of Gaga's new album, it releases on the 21st of October. Um, I believe it's called Jolene, but I will double-check that because for some reason I keep forgetting it. Um yeah, she talked for a, a long time about dropping the music industry, if you can remember. Yeah. Um, she had a lot of issues with it, um, with the producer and as well as just a lot of ethical issues in the whole world of music. Um, but she did decide to release a new album. And not too long ago, she released a jazz album with Tony. A jazz Bennett? album. Yeah, a, a jazz album. And it's it's phenomenal, actually. She has a beautiful jazz voice. And nobody really saw that coming. But I think that was her hmm. way of stepping back from the pop culture scene. Yeah. And, and kind of finding herself. And then she has this whole new purpose with her album. And it's all written um, for issues. Like there's a song about rape and the awareness of the issue. And so she has a whole new purpose and outlook on her music. And I think it's really cool. And this album, its pre-release reviews are pretty good. So I'm looking it's forward good. to hearing from it. Yeah, I think Gaga struggled a lot with at first when she like first started and she started doing like really crazy stuff like the infamous meat suit mm-hmm. and a lot of her um her outfits like she's got a lot of flack for that for being weird and stuff but I mean it was it's artistic expression. Mm-hmm. I think she stepped back now especially like getting involved with like, you know, AHS and other things like that. Like she's trying to do more things that are like meaningful art, I would I argue. And like I think I mean I she has a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. I think she's an incredibly talented singer. I just think that she went too quickly into like activism with her music mm-hmm. and maybe that kind of hurt her initially, but I'm interested to see where this I mean, I would kind of argue that maybe it was probably the best thing that she could have done is go into more activism with her music because if you ever look back at like some of her early early stuff, it's the most generic pop music right, you yeah. will okay. ever listen to. Okay, so this was her breaking into the scene and now she can actually use that. Well, I think she wants to be a human being in this and she right. wants to maintain that image and listening to her more recent interviews, she seems like a really phenomenal person mm-hmm. and so I really admire that she did that with So is she still going to continue going by like the name Lady Gaga or is she going to... I think so, I do. Um, she hasn't used her real name yet um, mm-hmm. on stage and I think she's just so known as Gaga that even in American Horror Story, it's Lady Gaga. Interesting. So um, I think she's going to keep that just for the sake of publicity and her image. It's all about that brand name. Like you have <laughs> to build your own brand. And I think that's what she's known for. And that's what we'll probably always remember her for is the name Lady Gaga. And right. I don't think if she tried to change it now, it'd just be too late and be more detrimental to her brand. I just, I just think right. of Lady Gaga. Yes. Yes. yes Gaga. <laughs> But yeah, she's a very, very talented musician, and yeah. I'm excited to see her go into like more, uh, a more positive space and a more yeah yeah. I mean, I'm excited. She's very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about the new um, Five Nights at Freddy's game that came out last week. Um, Sister Location. I don't know. I know Alec. You've seen some of the gameplay footage. I don't know Nicole. If you, I have not. So, do you know the premise of the Five Nights at Freddy's games? I don't. So basically, the very first game which came out um, just over a year ago. Um, is basically you are a security guard for something that's very, very similar to like a Chuck E. Cheese's. Um, and so there's like animatronics, like, you know, like there's an animatronic, uh, Freddy Fazbear, he's a bear, and there's okay. Bonnie the bunny and Chica the chicken and Foxy the fox. Um, <laughs> but you see, you're, you're a night security guard and these these animatronics are designed to be able to wander around at night so their servos don't get locked up. 
But the problem is, is if they happen to see you, they might not recognize you as a person. They might actually recognize you as a robotic endoskeleton that's not in a suit. And so they might try and forcibly stuff you into into a Freddy Fazbear costume, which would be okay, except for the fact that they're not designed to have human bodies in them. So you might be crushed to death. So the first game is a very, very simple mechanic. Um, you are in a room um, with two doors on either side um, that you can close the doors and lock the doors if necessary. And then you have a screen you can pull up in front of you that shows you security cameras of each room in the building. And so you have to track where these animatronics are wandering to. And if they get too close, you need to lock down the doors. It was a very, very simple, straightforward game, and it blew up. Really? And yeah, it was it was one of the top selling games of last October. It essentially redefined the jump scare it genre. Did. And it yeah, there's gives there's me anxiety thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, and there's hundreds and hundreds of like um, copies and ripoffs. I, I would say it's the thing that brought Markiplier really, really into mm-hmm. the light. Um, he was a well-known game player before that, but Five Nights at Freddy's was the thing that shot him into. Now everybody knows his name. And you can argue the same with uh, Game Theory yes. too. Game. It's also where Game Theory came from. Was his his big big theory was this net FNAF theory? Because the crazy thing about Five Nights at Freddy's is sounds like a it's a simple game when you play. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a crazy crazy backstory right if and you decide to like want to dive into it and so scott mm-hmm. Cawthon ended up releasing uh four additional games um and he released them released them incredibly quickly um i think fnaf 2 came out like a month later fnaf 3 came out like a couple weeks after that and then fnaf 4 we he waited a little bit longer and then released it early and so the second one uh is different because there's like twice as many animatronics and it is a lot more fast-paced and a lot more stressful the third one you're only dealing with one animatronic and it's a lot more um it's, it's, I think it's the scariest, actually, because there's one animatronic who's just hunting you down and coming through all these directions. And then the fourth one, you're actually in a child's room, and you have to deal with these basically nightmares coming after you. And so there's all this lore and all this craziness. And, like, apparently, according to Scott Cawthon, the creator of the game... Um, People figured out the lore for the first one, the second one, and the third one really, really well. They have it mostly figured out. Mm. But the fourth one, apparently people just didn't pick up on it because Scott Cawthon specifically made it way harder to figure out and, like, didn't want people, like, getting all of the story. And so, like, people are constantly trying to figure out. And he released a new game, which is called Sister Location. And so it's not a sequel to the other four. It's a different game. But basically it takes place you're in this like facility where they store a bunch of different animatronic units and you're maybe a technical uh, like a um, technician who's coming through to like help fix the things. But things get weird and it's it's a very different gameplay style. Mm-hmm. And the ending is very, very unique. Um, and I actually loved it because he made a game that was very different for once. And it doesn't feel like a FNAF game, but it still like references the other games. Yeah. And it's super cool. And it even has like a huge nod to a bunch of stuff. And it's it's way funnier, honestly, the, than the other games. Um, there's one part involving exotic butters. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's I'm excited to see Scott. Because he also released a game that was called FNAF World. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a really, really happy RPG style game um, with all the characters from the Five Nights at Freddy's series. And it was weird and it did not do well at all. Mm. It got a ton of flack over it. Yeah. It, it did, was a bad release, and like I think it was super glitchy at launch, yeah, and just it did very so very poorly. Problems. So I'm excited to see that Scott's actually releasing like different unique games that like have a different feel but still reference it. But apparently people are already like going crazy trying to figure out the lore of this one, um, and whether the lore actually matters, including the fact that there's like a giant seven foot tall baby animatronic who may or may not be able to rip you out of your body. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to see Scott releasing new games. I, I think was, this is. His- his first game since the original one where he's actually released 
released it on the time he said it he is. was going to. It actually is. It's the first one that was released on its release date, and it had over like a six-month development. It has voice acting. It's very, very different from the other games. Yes. Mm. See, Scott was very notorious. After the first game, he would be like, I'm going to have the next game come out. It'll be like six months down the road, and we'll be cool. He'd like tweet that out, and then maybe like two weeks later, he's like, Hey, I kind of just said, screw it, and here's the game. Have yeah. fun. Wow. Yeah, like, he released a lot of the games very, very early, yeah. and it was a whole experience. But yeah, I watched the gameplay footage, and it was interesting. I might p- play it with my roommate at some point, but... For sure. Um, and then the last thing I kind of want to talk about is... So yesterday, um, J.K. Rowling announced that the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is going to be the first movie in a series of five movies mm-hmm. um, that may or may not lead up to the Dumbledore versus Grindelwald fight. Um, that is what she kind of teased at. So I just I want to hear your thoughts on that because you're both pretty big Harry Potter fans. So. Well, at first I was like five more movies. I wonder how they're going to stretch that. You know, what was the intent of that? I didn't hear about the Dumbledore Griswold mm-hmm. fight potentially happening. Um, but that totally got me hooked if that's the case. Yeah, because um, I, b- I believe we had Jamie Campbell Bauer who played uh, Grindelwald, a young Grindelwald in uh, um, the 7th or 8th movie. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if they'll recast him and who will be a young Dumbledore. I'd love, I mean, I would love to see a young Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is so in, um, in, fi- in Fantastic Beasts, they tease because um, obviously um newt uh what's his name newt scout commander newt commander he's from hogwarts he's a hogwarts um ex-student mm-hmm. he was actually removed he was a hufflepuff um but he kind of got kicked out for like doing a lot of weird experiments and a lot of like things involving animals mm-hmm. um but apparently dumbledore like gives him a huge high praise and at that point dumbledore is just a professor but this is the 1920s so dumbledore is pretty young yeah um i don't because he i believe he's like 180 something when he passes away in episode an episode in uh, book six mm-hmm. um and so because apparently the big fight between dumbledore and grindelwald happens in like the 1940s um it's sometime around like world war ii okay so i don't know if they're going to try and span like this 20 year gap because this one takes place in i believe 1923 okay. um so i'm really curious to see like what they're going to touch on because i know they want to make a quidditch based movie um based off quidditch through the ages and then i don't know what the other three movies are going to be i wonder if they're going to stay with the american school concept i'm guessing they're going to stay american yeah. nods because that's what the world they want to explore now yeah and i'm just wondering like if each of these films will be a standalone or if a couple of them will maybe be like, i've heard that they're tied into each other okay and they're all i heard that this is like the start of it and the newt commander is going to be like a little bit i just i don't want that to be i don't want the, like the big fight between like Dumbledore and Grindelwald to involve Newt Scamander. Like, why is he there? Why does that matter? And if they do do a film on Quidditch for the ages, I'm really hoping it's on the one Quidditch match that took over a month to (laughs) win. Because that would be a great story. That'd be exhausting. Could you imagine watching, like, any sports ball game for, like, over a month? (laughs) That'd be exhausting. A month straight, like... We'd have our fix for the next couple years, do you think? (laughs) So, yeah, that's really interesting. So I'm I'm curious to see where we're going with that. I mean, I'm really glad they're expanding the universe outside of just Harry Potter's, like, story, and we're getting a little bit more... I mean, yeah, especially because I hated Cursed Child. Um, I I despised it. Um, I thought it was terrible. I thought it felt like bad fan fiction, honestly. It very much was. And so I I hated Cursed Child. I was in London the week before the show opened, and Mm. the theater it was in was beautiful. Totally decked out Harry Potter. Um, I didn't know exactly what Cursed Child was about because I just didn't do my homework with it at first. Um, 
And then when I found out that it was about Harry and it was cat, there was a Harry, po- there, Harry Potter was a cast member mm-hmm. essentially. And I, I thought that was kind of strange and I didn't want to see that. Yeah. Um, cause I didn't want it to be outside of Daniel Radcliffe quite honestly. <laughs> um, but I think with this Fantastic Beasts direction, I think we're all hungry for more Harry Potter themed things. I want more Wizarding World. Yeah. I am so done with the Potter family. Fair, yeah. Especially because yeah. I don't. Did you read Cursed Child or do any... I haven't? No. Okay, I'm not gonna spoil it then. But like the main antagonist and everything that happens, that is basically the the, the big conflict at the end, is terrible. It feels like a bad fan fiction in my opinion. Uh... I hate the, the antagonist. I hate everything that happens in it. I hate the setup. It was honestly a terrible story. Okay. Because J.K. Rowling, she didn't write it. She was a supervisor. Yeah. Kind of producer. She approved, but she approved it. Yeah. She still approved it as being basically. Canon. I don't necessarily treat it as canon. So no. Yeah. Also, last thing. Do you both know what your Patronus is? I do know yes. what my Patronus is. What's your Patronus? I am a sparrowhawk. Sparrowhawk bird. I am, and this is very specific. A ragdoll cat. That's adorable. A I love ragdolls. They're so <laughs> cute. I'm a pine martin, which is a type of weasel, and I think it's adorable. That's and I love cool. it so much. Okay, thank you so much for listening to the Pop of Things podcast. You can tweet us at CSU Collegian, and we will be back next week with more pop culture news.